politics a decent amount, not political views, but the fact that we need to hold our political views with the love of Jesus. That's my big thing. And the reason it's my big thing is because I watch the church sometimes hate people on the other side of the issue, and that is antithetical with the teaching of Jesus. God loves us even though He doesn't love everything we do. We don't love everything that people do, but we also don't love them in the process. So we need to hold our political views with love. We all wonder about why things happen the way they do, especially when it comes to devastation and loss. We wish Jesus would come back now. The disciples thought that too, as we'll hear in today's message. Pastor Daniel will lead us through the Word as it tells us how our questions are no different than those of the disciples, but the answer is the same, God's perfect type. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4 with part one of his message entitled, Power Promised. The reality that Jesus wants to pour out his spirit on his people. I mean, that's what this whole series is about, isn't it? It's about that if the Jesus story is the real thing, if it's the real deal, if Jesus came, if he was the king who was triumphantly entered into Jerusalem and starts throwing down, overturning tables in the temple, cursing fig trees, talking to the Pharisees, being like, look, you guys do not know what's going down. If that's all real, if Jesus died on a cross on what we call Good Friday and rose from the grave on what we call Resurrection Sunday, If the Great Commission where Jesus invites all of us into his story and what he's doing in this world, and as we're going to see today, if Jesus ascended bodily into heaven so that he can send forth his spirit, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, this just got really radically real for us. And I believe God's desire for you and for me is to find ourselves in the story of Jesus' kingdom. He's just say, God, if all this is real and we believe that it is because your word is truth, God, we want to experience this reality. So today, as we look at the ascension, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. If you're new in the Bible, in the New Testament, you have the four Gospels, and then you have the book of the Acts of the Apostles, as it's commonly called I think it would be better called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through a bunch of knuckleheads. But nobody asked me when they put that little header in there. But if they did, that would be my recommendation. The Acts of the Holy Spirit through a bunch of knuckleheads. We're going to take these verses in Acts chapter 1. Now, this is fun. So, like, for, for the preacher in me, I got all P's as my points. Yeah, it's good, right? Like, that's like pastor nerd fun stuff. That's why if you notice that the message is called Power Promised, because I was giving you a little foretaste of all the peace. Now, it's funny. That's a, a sermon technique where you have them all alliterative, all peace. But you know what I found is that it, it's kind of hokey, and I don't really work for that stuff. 
But what's really funny is that in like a month, you'll remember all these points, and that'll be a good thing. That's the point of it, right? So I have all Ps for you. So I want to read this to you. So Acts chapter 1, we're going to be picking up in verse 4. It says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah is right. Verse 9, Now when he had spoken these things, they watched, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. Now, the book of Acts, now, to put it in a greater context, you guys realize that Acts is Luke's gospel chapter 2, so to speak. That Luke wrote his gospel and then he wrote the book of Acts. So it's the same alt human author, right? And so the first three verses are a little reminder. It's a little introduction to this man named Theophilus, whether he was a literal person or some people would say Theophilus. It's Theos and Phileo, lover of God. That's what Theophilus means. Good name if you got little boys. Theophilus, great name. Very cool, right? So some people say that that's a literal person. Other people say, well, it's Theophilus, which means lover of God. Maybe it's a, a letter to the church. We don't really know. And, and scholars argue, and that's what, that's what scholars do, right? They just argue anyway. It makes for good writing. But there's this introduction, and then it jumps in in verse 4. Look what it says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we begin with the promise of the Spirit. It begins with the promise of the Spirit. Now, I like this about Jesus because they all are together now. Jesus has been resurrected from the grave. He sees them. He says, now listen, you guys, the plan is, is that you need to wait. Now, how many of you struggle with that? I know I do. I'm a right now kind of a guy, right? It's like, let's just do this. We're going to do it right now. Jesus says, listen, okay, I'm, a, I'm alive. Wait. Before you do anything, don't do anything. And that's tough for us, isn't it? We live in an instant society. We like things newer, quicker, faster. Jesus says, hold on. I want you to wait. Because God had given a promise that he would pour out his Holy Spirit upon his people. And Jesus says, listen, wait for the promise of the Father. 
You've heard it from me. For John the Baptist truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So listen, before the people of God can go on out into the community, to the world, and be witnesses for Jesus, they needed to be empowered for ministry. And God, Jesus, they all promised that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out. And for those of you, even though we're not going to get to it today, if you read Acts chapter 2, what happens? The Holy Spirit gets poured out, and God starts using his people. But before they could be used, they need to be empowered. And this all, I mean, Joel chapter 2, it's all right there. There is a promise of the Holy Spirit. And don't forget that when Jesus was baptized with water by John, remember he was baptized, he came up and immediately the Holy Spirit came upon him and then lighted him like a dove. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The idea is that even in Jesus' baptism, he was empowered for ministry. See, the water baptism was a symbolic baptism of the cleansing, the forgiveness of sins, the repentance, saying, Lord, I need help when John did it. But now when Jesus comes out, the Holy Spirit falls upon him. Now this is the real power. And Jesus starts his ministry right there. And it's important for you and I that we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to do the work of ministry. I love this about the Lord. He doesn't say you have to do it on your own. Because you know what? We can serve the Lord in our own strength for a time, can't we? For a time. Until the energy runs out. Until the passion runs out. Until the heart gets hardened. Until enough things go wrong that we get bitter. And then we stop. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us and says, no, no, no. I am going to be the fuel for this. It's not your energy. It's not your energy. It's my power. And all I'm looking for is empty vessels that I can pour into. And our job is to say, Lord, help me empty myself so that you can fill me up. Now, one scholar made a great point on this. He said, throughout Acts, new converts experience repentance, baptism, and the gift of the Spirit. All three are essential elements of the conversion experience. That's powerful. Repentance. When somebody turns from their own way to the true and living God. That's repentance. It literally means to change directions. So repentance, baptism in water, and then the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Now, I realize that for some of us in here, we're all needing one of those three things. There's some people in here, maybe you're watching online. We have hundreds of people. I met a gal who's like, ah, you're in the flesh. I've been watching you online for months. My sister, I didn't even know her. We just met. We said hi. She's like, I'm gonna, I have to come over to Crossroads. So we realize there's hundreds of people online, people in this room, other venues. Some of you need to repent, which is God's... When you think of repentance, I always say it. It makes you think of a guy who needs to shave, standing on a soapbox in front of a bus depot or a train depot or a subway saying, repent! You know, he's drooling on himself. You want to just give him a napkin and clean him up. Repentance is not an angry word. Repentance is a word of restoration of relationship. So if you are at odds with somebody and you guys come back to it, that's where people have repented for that to happen. It means we have a relationship and we need to be together. And the biblical word for that is repentance. You know what's funny about repentance? 
God doesn't need to repent because God is not doing the things wrong. We need to because we're the wayward ones. All of us are. So God says, look, I want you to come back to me. Now where we call repentance. When repentance happens, we are reunited with God relationally, right? Then we are baptized. We make that declaration to the world that I am with Jesus. I'm so stoked my six-year-old Maranatha's getting baptized. Yeah. So cool. She woke up this morning. You know, so I told you this. My daughter, she goes to sleep in her nightgown is princess dresses because that's how she rolls, you know. So she comes downstairs. She's all sleepy eyed. And she's like, I'm like, good morning, sweetheart. She's like, I'm getting baptized today. She couldn't even open her eyes, you know. But she was just ready, you know. And I'm like, what does baptism mean, sweet? She's like, oh, man, my old life when I'm living against Jesus is going under the water. It's dying. And I'm being resurrected with Jesus. She gets it, man. She's like, bam. I'm like, mm. You know? And it's funny. She's been begging. She's been asking for months. We're just like, I don't know if you're ready. What do you mean I'm not ready? I love Jesus. I'll give you memory verses. She's like, you know, she's the boss, my, my daughter. She's the boss. And we love that about her because she should be the boss. She's God's daughter, man. She's, you know? So she's repented. She gave her life to Jesus. And now it's time for her to be baptized. She's making a declaration to her family of faith in the whole world. I'm with Jesus. Right? And then we're now we're praying for the Spirit's baptism of my daughter. Because we want not only for her to make a profession of faith with her mouth and in her heart and be water baptized. We're saying, Lord, we want your Holy Spirit to overflow this girl that she might be a mighty woman of power in the kingdom of God. And I'm here to tell you, if you've never repented and given your life to Jesus, you need to do that today. Don't let this moment past. If you've never reconciled your relationship to God, as God's saying, look, you're mine. Come on back. Do it today. And if you do it today, we want you to be baptized with water. And then we want you to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered for ministry, because it begins with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at what happens next. Verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has placed in his own authority. Now, we start with the promise of the Spirit. Now we have the politics of men. Now we have the politics of men. Because Jesus is like, look, wait here, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And then they get together, and they're like, okay, the power of the Spirit's coming. Are we going to, like, get rid of the Romans now? And I say the politics of men, and I realize, like, I talk about politics a decent amount, not political views, but the fact that we need to hold our political views with the love of Jesus. That's my big thing. And the reason it's my big thing is because I watch the church sometimes hate people on the other side of the issue, and that is antithetical with the teaching of Jesus. God loves us even though he doesn't love everything we do. We don't love everything that people do, but we also don't love them in the process. So we need to hold our political views with love, right? But you got to think that politics... They're actually morally neutral, right? It's like, it's how we organize ourselves based on the truths that we hold, right? Now, I say they begin morally neutral, depending on where you land on issues, they aren't morally neutral, right? But the children of Israel, they had been under oppression from different world empires for about 900 years at this point. Obviously, they had Egypt long in their past. When they went into the promised land, and they struggled with the Assyrians, they struggled with the Babylonians, and they were displaced from their land. 
the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. Those are the big ones, not to mention all the issues with the Midianites, the Philistines, all the ites in there. They have all these issues, right? And for hundreds of years, almost a thousand years, the children of Israel have had a ruling power over them. They haven't been an autonomous nation. And so they're like, okay, if the, power, if the Holy Spirit's coming, can we get rid of the Romans now? Is it time for us to make Israel that bright, shining, autonomous power? And Jesus doesn't get on them like, oh, you guys are all messed up. You shouldn't be thinking about that stuff. He doesn't do that. But what he says, he says, listen, guess what? It ain't time for that. It ain't time for that. Or more colloquially, ain't no one got time for that. What he says is, listen, you guys are focused on the politics of Israel. I have a different plan. My plan is it includes that, but it is not limited to that. That reality to me is big. And I try and hold my political views as, look, it includes that, but it's not limited to that. God's plan for his people includes politics, but it ain't limited to it. It's way broader, grander, more profound than just politics of whatever nation you happen to be a citizen of. And for most of us, that is the United States of America. So we have to remember, politics is a subset. It's not the whole enchilada. It's not. So he says then, listen, it's not for you to know times or seasons when the Father has put into his own authority. He's like, look, you don't know. You don't need to know. And you, if you read your Bible, you realize that there is going to be a time when Israel as a nation is going to exist in the way that Jesus has ordained it to and God, and that is when Jesus returns. That's when that happens. Up until then, it's not going to be the fulfillment. So the politics of men say, okay, we're getting power. Can we get rid of the Romans now? And Jesus says, no, no, no. It's not about that. It's not about that. Instead, look at what he says in verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now we have the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit is now. He says, wait for the promise, right? And they get into the politics. He's like, no, 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 listen. Well, now we're talking about the power of the Spirit, right? Now, I didn't want to overwhelm you with peace, but this verse not only speaks about the power of the Spirit, but also speaks about the program of the Spirit. So I'll give that to you as a side point. I didn't want to overwhelm you with too many peas because, you know, if you eat too many peas, you might choke on them. But just know it's in there. It's in there. See, the restoration of the kingdom of God involves a worldwide mission. A worldwide mission. So he says, listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We're just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to baptize us. That we have the power to be his witnesses. See, that's the thing. It's power for ministry. It's not power so that we have personal power and we feel empowered. That's new age stuff where it's like, I, you need to find your power. And you have your power animal. I don't even know what that is. It makes me freaky. It does. It's a power. Someone, I had someone in the Bay Area, like, what's your power animal? I'm like, uh, a rhinoceros? I don't know. You know, <laughs> I was just thinking, a giraffe? Like, hey, you know. See, the power that God wants to give us is not so that we feel empowered. It's so that we may be his witnesses. So again, see, 
In a culture that is self-focused, then it's like, oh, it's for me. And then, and, but in God's kingdom, it's like, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And that's where American, 21st century American culture and the kingdom of Jesus Christ, they butt heads right there. Because our culture says it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Right? And you read the statistics. They talk about the boomer generation being the most self-centered generation. And now they're talking about the millennials who were raised by boomers. They're saying, oh, the millennials, they're the worst. Right? Listen, none of us in our culture are doing really great when it comes to being not selfish. Right? Can we all admit that? Look, have it your way. Everything about our culture is you get it the way you want it. Have it your way. Right? That's a blessing of our culture, but everything about the gospel of Jesus Christ is, I'm going to bless you so you can go bless other people. I'm going to empower you so that you may be my witnesses. And that, you know what that word witnesses is in the, in the Greek? It's the word martyr. That's where the word martyr, and when you think of the word martyr, you think of somebody who's given up their life for their belief in Jesus. Right? But that word literally means a witness. A witness, I'm saying that. Somebody who testifies, this is what truth is. So the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit is there to let us be his witnesses. Now, I want you to notice this. Notice what it says. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to notice this. It begins locally, and then it goes regionally, and then it goes globally. That's the way it works. And what's interesting is this verse right here, this is actually the outline of the entire book of Acts right here. Acts chapters 1 to 7 is all about the witness of the church in Jerusalem, right? Then Acts chapter 8 to 12 is all about the witness of the church in Judea and Samaria. So it'd be kind of like Judea would be like Clark County and Jerusalem would be Vancouver. That kind of idea. So Judea was the county, so to speak, and then Samaria would be the Portland metro area. That's Acts 8 to 12. And then the witness of the church to the ends of the earth is Acts chapter 13 to 28 and on and on and on. Right? Now, when we did the Great Commission, and we talked about that we should make disciples of all nations, I had someone say to me, so Pastor Daniel, so you really focused on local missions. What about the global thrust? And I was like, oh, man, this is, that's a great question. Because I did focus last week on local. Why? Because we want our light to shine the brightest locally so that we can see who is God's bright, shining missionaries that we have. And we want the people who are serving the strongest locally to be able to go regionally, nationally, and globally. See, as a church crossroads, we have a long history of missionary activity. Long history. Love that. And a long history of local activity. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you think all these different things that God has done through crossroads. But when I got here, I looked I'm like, what is our specific focus of ministry locally? We have Second Saturday and some different, but we didn't have one thing. And so we're in the process right now, just like Pastor Bill had done, of saying, this is what we're going to do locally. This is going to be our big push locally. This is going to be our big push regionally. This is going to be our big push internationally. But I believe it begins at home. Why? Because like the book of Acts, We don't want to send our worst globally. We want to send our best. And we believe that we will know who our cross-cultural missionaries are going to be by who are serving the strongest at home. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel noted we have to empty ourselves before we can be filled up. 
Our witness can only speak if our selfish priorities are out of the way. We also learned about the importance of baptism, not only as an outward expression of faith, but to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide and to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington, 98662. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus Is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this, life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Join Pastor Daniel in the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio when we'll learn how to start spreading the gospel locally and to extend to a national and then global reach. We'll hear how scripture reinforces this kind of growth. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series entitled This Just Got Real next time. Don't tip it